listening to the Yoga Teacher Resource Podcast. Knowledge, techniques, and inspiration for your teaching and your practice. I'm your host, Mado Hesselink. If you're a yoga teacher who loves learning, is passionate about spreading the benefits of yoga, and desires more resources to support your teaching, you're in the right place. Let's get started with today's episode. Hey, Mado, this is Aya. I'm currently part of your flight school cohort. And my question for you is, how many hours do you typically work in a day? And so I also know that you have hired an assistant. And comparing to when you didn't have one before, how much time do you devote now to your yoga business? And how much of it have you delegated? And also, what are the things you've delegated to your assistant? I know that's a lot of questions, but I hope you pick my question. Thank you. Hi, Aya, and thanks for your question. So right now, I pretty much work full time. I basically work 40 hours a week, but that has been really up and down, especially since the pandemic. Before the pandemic, I was working 40 hours a week and I did not have much help. I had a little bit of help specifically with the podcast and uploading and creating graphics and stuff for the podcast. But once the pandemic hit, I was suddenly down to like 15 or 20 hours a week that I could work because I have a young child and I also have a teenager and they both required a lot of attention and were home all the time. So once I was able to get some childcare a little bit into the pandemic and then also when school started back up, I was able to work about 30 hours a week. And now that my daughter has aftercare, I'm probably back up to about 40. However, it definitely was not always this way because I started my business when my daughter, my youngest daughter, was really young and I basically just worked during her nap times. Now, she did take long naps, about three hours a day. So I had about 10 to 15 hours a week to work, just depending on what else I had going on. So that was the beginning. And I imagine that part of why you're asking this question is I know that you work full time. And so you're probably wondering, like, how can you build a business while working full time? Now, I don't know if you also have children, but having children is very similar to having a full time job. Even if you have a decent amount of childcare, the responsibility of being a mother always comes first before anything else. So that was a significant challenge for me. And I just had to work as much as I could and get as much as I could get done in the little spots of time that I had. Now, it's not the ideal, but, you know, we don't always have ideal circumstances. In the beginning of starting a business, we are often working under less than ideal circumstances. For example, I strongly encourage all yoga teachers who want to work independently to take at least one full day where they're not teaching and that they can really focus on their business. But it's not possible for everyone. And if you have a full-time job, you might be working before you go to work. You might get up really early to work on your business. You might work over lunch, you might work after work late at night, kind of depending on how your brain works best. I, at this stage of my life, I would much rather get up early and do work before other responsibilities because my brain kind of shuts off after a certain time. 
But that wasn't always the case. And I know that when I was younger, I probably would have chosen to stay up late and work instead of get up early. So while I do work pretty much full time at this stage, that's not totally accurate because I get to take a lot more time off than most Americans do anyway. The time off that I took last year was more on par with what Europeans do. I think I took about six weeks off total. Having that kind of time off is a really important value for me. It's part of why I'm self-employed. It's part of the benefits of having more control over how I spend my time. And I put a lot of investment into this business in order to get to this place. So I think it's really important when you're just starting out not to compare where you are now to people who've been working at it a lot longer. I think it's great to find out and know what's possible for the future so that you can have goals and things to work towards. But I think a big mistake that is really hard to avoid is looking at people who are further along than you and comparing your current situation to what they have built over a long period of time. Even though I've only had the podcast for about four years, I am absolutely sure that if I hadn't already had about 14 years of teaching experience when I first started it, that I wouldn't have been able to grow as quickly as I did. And four years might not sound super fast because when you're first getting started, that would sound like a really long time. However, I feel really proud and happy for what I've created over the past four years, but I don't even consider it as having been created over four years. It's really been created over 18 years. And when I look at it that way, it doesn't feel quite as impressive, but it's my path, my journey. I absolutely believe that many of you can create a sustainable business much more quickly than I did, and you have much more information available to you than I had in the beginning. The second part of your question was about delegating. You mentioned that I do have help and support in my business, and I'm so grateful to have that. That really became a necessity during the pandemic when all of a sudden I had much less childcare than I was used to. I had a little bit of help, a few hours a week of help before that, but I was doing most of it myself. I was doing a lot by myself. And when my ability to work in a focused way was kind of pulled out from under me when the schools closed, it became very stressful for a few months. Actually, it took me about six months, really, to hire somebody because at first there was this hope, you know, that it was going to be temporary. And then it just took me way longer to find the right person than I thought it would. So there were about six months that were extremely stressful, and I was just barely treading water trying to keep up. And it wasn't until I did hire that help and that help got a bit trained to be able to take some things off my plate that I finally realized how much I was doing on my own. So I'm really glad that I got help when I did, but it was also scary. It was also a stretch for me to pay somebody because I didn't really have the consistent revenue that I would have liked to have to pay them. What I ended up doing was I actually didn't pay myself for a few months 
And I saved that money in my business bank account so that I had enough that I felt like I could feel confident that I could pay the person that I hired for at least a few months. And that would give us enough time to see if it was going to work out. Fortunately, right around the same time that I hired this person, I also created a new program that helped bridge that gap financially. So it worked out. There are three main things that I have my admin assistant help me with. One is customer service and communication. And this was a really big thing for me. I am not sure if it's just me, but it felt very personal and very stressful to have to respond to every single email. The second category is things like uploading and formatting and all of the little behind-the-scenes tech things that are pretty repetitive and need to be done consistently in an online business. So I get a lot of help with that. I still do a good amount of it myself, but I get to share the burden of that, and that feels really helpful as well. And the third thing that my admin assistant helps me with is writing first drafts of any kind of communication that isn't really creative. So something that needs to be communicated, but doesn't necessarily reflect intellectual content. Sometimes it's based on content I've already created. For example, show notes from the podcast. My assistant will listen to the podcast and take notes and then create the first draft for the show notes and also for the email that goes out. Then I will edit it and make it sound more like me, make it feel more like me. Now, sometimes the edits are significant. Sometimes I think of a story and I completely rewrite the whole thing, but having the structure and the framework in place is really helpful and supportive. And sometimes it only needs minor edits. Sometimes I just switch a little bit of phrasing here and there and keep the basic structure the same. So those are the main things that I get help with in my business. And it ends up being a significant amount of help. However, I also know that if I had to, I could do all that work myself in less time. But by having that help, it takes more than just time off my plate. It takes mental load off my plate. That's the biggest shift that I noticed during the pandemic when I had very little time to work and I was doing everything myself the mental pressure started to get really intense. And it was such a relief to get that support. The other thing that I find to be super, super helpful, and this is something that really evolved as my assistant started to learn more about my business and take on more hours and take on more responsibility, was just having a thought partner, just having somebody to talk things through with that understood sort of the different dynamics I was dealing with felt like a huge relief, felt like a lot of weight off my shoulders that I wasn't doing it alone or trying to explain it to somebody who couldn't really understand. So in the beginning, you're not going to have that. And when you first start handing things off to somebody else, be aware that there's going to be a transition period where you question whether or not it's worth it. Meaning that for most people, when you hand them something that you've been doing, you're good at it and they're new to it. So then describing it and training them feels like more work than just doing it yourself. 
But in the long run, if you have chosen somebody who is interested and thoughtful and considerate, basically somebody who cares about their work, then it ends up being so, so worth it in the long run. The investment that you make in training somebody and letting go of a bit of control, it can turn into a really beautiful and mutually supportive relationship. If you are considering hiring somebody, hiring some help on, the number one thing I would look for is shared values, communication, and consistency. Because skills are learnable, but the biggest challenge that I have had with some of the people that I've hired in the past is not being able to rely on them to do what they said they're going to do. Now, my current assistant, Haley, something that I love about her is she will say no to me if she's not sure that she can deliver. And then she and I will work together to figure out, well, what can she say yes to? What can she feel confident that she can do? And she actually showed this side of herself to me the very first time I started to hire her, I hired her for a sample project. And I asked her if she could get it done by a certain deadline. And she said that she wasn't sure, but that she could get it done by a later deadline for sure. And that, I think, was a really good indication to me, an early indication of her character, that she wasn't going to promise me something that she didn't believe very strongly she could deliver. I think a lot of people, when they're interviewing for a job or they're first starting a job, they're so eager to please and to appear like the right fit that they don't take the time to check in about what they feel they can commit to 100%. And in a situation where you're a business owner and you're the solo business owner and everything really rests on your shoulders, the number one thing you need in support and help is the ability to rely on them. So I hope that this has been helpful for you, Aya. I hope it's given you a bit of insight into the progression of how my business has developed and grown into where it is now. And I hope that that feels exciting and hopeful for you. I hope that you're able to find your own way into figuring out what's sustainable for you, what kind of sustainable growth you can create given your specific circumstances. Because as much as it's helpful to hear about what other people do, the truth is that none of us have the same circumstances. We don't have the same genetics. We don't have the same environment. We don't have the same resources. So while there's a lot to learn from looking at somebody else's situation, it's important not to then extrapolate too much to our own situation, that we really look at what we've been given, what we have, the circumstances we have, and our specific goals and our willingness to show up. There's definitely a period of sacrifice and there's times where you don't have balance in your life if you are a business owner. Even though I support yoga teachers to create sustainable businesses and to create businesses that do allow for balance, most of us are going to have to go through some period of time, some period of development where we go out of balance. And it's by doing that that we learn where our edges are, learn what we're capable of, and learn what matters most to us. So thank you for asking the question. And thank you for caring enough to teach yoga.
If anyone listening has an idea for a question you'd like me to answer on the podcast, you can go to my website, teachingyoga.net, and on the side, there is a button that will say record a question for the podcast. I love hearing your questions and just know that if you have a question, chances are good that a lot of other people have the same question. And sometimes they have the question in the back of their mind, but it hasn't been fully articulated. So it's really an act of service to articulate the questions that you are able to articulate and put them out there. Because sometimes, honestly, the questions are more important than the answers.